Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game, episode number 27. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Vanek NFL, and also joined by my co-host, once again, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Eric, what's up, man? We haven't really talked much uh, since the last episode, so it's been uh, good to catch up with you and uh, kind of start the offseason. I think this feels like the first real off-season week for Dynasty just because a lot of the waiver wires and stuff were still open last week. Uh, last week was filled with figuring out what to do with the championship weeks and the payouts and setting all the leagues up. I know we've already started to fill some orphans and dispersals and start talking about doing that stuff. So this feels like the first true off-season week and the playoffs are here. So kind of excited to start diving into some of the off-season stuff and just getting into the off-season itself. But uh you know, still also feeling a little bit of the burnout from the season, like we talked about last week. So it's just a slow transition, but I'm doing well and uh, excited to talk to you about some different things today. We got a uh, little bit of a different thing for uh, the listeners. We're going to do a playoff challenge uh, bracket uh, in FFPC and then talk a little dynasty stuff before that. So good to be here, man. Yeah, we got some big time major things to discuss today that we went over before the show. So I'm going to have to do that for sure. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's a little bit of an extension. Anybody that was in the uh, the DD Discord earlier today got a, a glimpse of the massive data dump that I just threw in there without really any context and uh, had some follow-up questions, had two different DMs about, hey, what does this mean or where did you get that from? And then obviously had a big discussion in the voice chat. You weren't in there, but I had a long back and forth with Ray in the voice chat. We came up with some good ideas, things to look into for the off season, some research to do on, uh, you know, we talked a lot about what you mention all the time every week when we're doing the recaps is the concentration of these offenses, you know, like how can you really look at some of these numbers without the context of what offense they were in, what the concentration looked like, who else was on the team with the players, you know, and some of that stuff can be, you know, did the player dictate that or did the coach or the offensive coordinator dictate that? So something we can look into more in the offseason, but uh, just a lot of wide receiver data uh, that I put together. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's I was just kind of browsing through it here that you threw it at me. And uh, yeah, some good stuff. So we can definitely get into that here in a little bit. But first, I wanted to bring up something that we uh, did before the season started. Let's take a look at how our predictions did. Yeah, ready I'm ready. That? I'm All ready. Right. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when we went over those, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how they how they came to roost. So, all right. So, I'll do our college ones real quick because those are easy. So, we had Ray on for that one, and Ray gave his college predictions too. So, for the Heisman Trophy, you guys both had C.J. Stroud, and I had Travion Henderson. Whoops, that one didn't come out so good. Um, and then for the four college uh, playoff teams, Ray had Ohio State, USC, Clemson, and Bama. So he got one out of three out of four, right? So that's kind of crazy. Yep. Um, you had Ohio State, USC, Bama, Notre Dame. So you went one for four as well. And I went, I went two for four. I had o- Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, and USC. So not too bad. I went two for four. I, I I won the prediction contest there, I guess. Yeah, nobody had Michigan. Definitely nobody had TCU. But yep. yeah, I remember that. I remember we had a debate on 
who the, who that fourth team might be. And we were right. It was a wild card team, but it definitely mm-hmm. was not USC or my Notre Dame prediction was way out there. And then, you know, we both just assumed Bama would get in. And I mean, honestly, they were fifth and probably should have, should have got in in hindsight, but yeah, interesting. That shows you how hard it is to pick at least ha- even half of them, you know? Right. And all three of us had USC as well. So they were close though, but they kind of shit the bed there at the end. I mean, they were in a position where they win and get in. So, I mean, right. them and Bama were about as close as you can get without actually making it. So you can kind of forgive right. those for sure. All right. And then our um, NFL predictions as well. So uh, AFC East, we both got uh, Buffalo correct. So that worked out. AFC North, I had Baltimore. You had Cincinnati. So you won out there. AFC South, uh, we both had Indy. Whoops. Thanks, Matt Ryan. Uh, AFC West, we both had the Chargers. So they made the playoffs, but weren't the division winner. Uh, We both had Kansas City for the wild card. uh, So they ended up winning the division. Um, And my two other wild cards were Cincinnati and Denver. So at least Cincinnati made the playoffs. So I was right on that. Denver was a wolf. Um, and then you had Kansas City, Baltimore, and Miami. So you got uh, three of all three of those teams in the playoffs. So good job to you. Yeah. So the only one I missed out was the Colts, then, which yeah. I wasn't even close. That neither of them were neither of the the two teams that were in it were the Colts. So yeah. I guess six out of seven. I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, NFC, we both had the Eagles to win the East, so we both won that. We both had the Packers for the North. Whoops. Uh, the South, we both had the Bucks, and the West, we both had the 49ers, so we did good there. Yep. Um, and then our wild cards, I had, I went 0 for 3. I had Rams, Saints, Cardinals. Yeah, okay. And you had Rams, Panthers, Saints. Yeah. So, we, we, we whiffed on all those. Yeah, so interesting that we both picked a wild card from the NFC South. I picked mm-hmm. two wild cards from the NFC South. Yeah, I had which, two from the NFC West. Yeah, but it's interesting that all both of our wild card picks, actually all three of our wild card picks, all of them sucked. Like yeah. they weren't even 500. Yeah. I think the best of all the ones we picked was probably, you picked the Saints too? Uh, yeah, I had Rams, Saints, Cardinals. And I picked the Saints and the Panthers. So I think the Saints and the Panthers were the the best teams in that mix, and they were still three under five hundred. So we weren't even close on the wild cards. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, none of us even had the Vikings anywhere close. So, yeah, kind of crazy. Or the Cowboys. Yeah, or Cowboys too. Yeah, that was that was one that, and I remember opening day. Opening night because they played that Sunday night game against Tampa Bay, and then Dak got injured, and it looks like he was going to be out, you know, eight weeks yeah, or whatever. Forever. You yeah. remember how we just basically wrote the Cowboys off after like a half? And it was yeah, like they're, then, they're they're dead; they have no chance. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. And Cooper Rush went three and one. He yeah, but I just remember to, the panic uh, on Dallas of like they're dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then it just all of a sudden they they end up winning 12 games. It's like it just comes yeah. out of nowhere like that. So and then I mean these haven't been finalized yet, but um I'll just go over them real quick. For NFL MVP, I had Josh Allen, you had Jalen Hurts. So you have a good shot to win that one, I think. Um we're probably the second favorite behind Mahomes. Better shot than you, but yeah, I think Mahomes yeah. is going to get it, so we're both going to fall short. Yeah, defensive player of the year. I had Nick Bosa. You had Nick Bosa. We have a 
we have a decent shot of maybe winning that one. Yeah. I, I think a pretty good shot. Yeah. Um, offensive rookie of the year, I had George Pickens. You had Jahan Dotson. I don't think either of those guys are going to uh, win it, but they were they were in there. They were at least in the conversation at some point. We'll get to those two names here in a little bit. Okay. Very then, interesting that they're tagged together, and why the hell I picked them for rookie of the year, I don't know. But, yeah, both of us, we definitely whiffed on that one for sure. Well, I mean, it was easy because we didn't think any of the quarterbacks were any good or were going to play at any point. Um, I mean, none of us were ever going to pick Brock fucking Purdy. That wasn't going to happen. I mean, and arguably, he could win. He he could win. He probably won't win, but he could and probably should win the rookie of the year if they factor in anything except for the regular season. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think they're right. supposed to, but you know, if they wait two weeks and he wins two playoff games, you could easily see where people are a little biased and they still vote for him. Right. And then uh, defensive rookie of the year, we both have Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's probably got a pretty good shot of winning that. Yep. So yeah, we did we did uh, pretty decent on our predictions at least. So that's good. Got not something right bad. this year. Yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, not too bad. And then um, yeah, you had your first uh, your first live stream on Destination Dynasty on Sunday. That was pretty cool. How'd that go for you? How do you think it went? Oh, it was good. I mean, it's it's different. Uh, it's different doing a solo live stream. Versus even a solo podcast, because when you're doing a solo podcast, you can obviously stop and you can edit, you know, and you can re-say something if you want to, you know, change the way you said something or articulate something different. Like, it's hard to do a solo podcast, but it's it's easier to do it when you can edit, stop and start again. Solo show when you're doing it live, especially when you're going for an hour. I definitely appreciate uh, like anybody that hosts a show, you know, like Jay Rich hosting a live show or clay on trades and five hosting a live show like it definitely is a skill to host a live show and keep it going but i definitely do feel that it's it's easier when you have somebody with you too because you can kick it to them and then they can talk for a minute or two and then you can think about what you're going to say next and you can kind of reel everything back in if you're the host and someone else is the one that's providing the content it's even easier but even when you're a back and forth like if we co-hosted a show we kind of go back and forth in you know who does the closing or who, who says this or says that, you know, we can both do it. So you can kind of kick it back and forth when it's just you, there's this constant, like you want to keep the stream going and you want to answer the questions, but when it's a dead period, you kind of have to have something to say in the meantime. So it was interesting. I'm looking forward to just keep doing it more. That's a, a skill I want to continue to develop. And the best way for me to develop is just do it. Just say I'm going live and then go live and just get through it. There's always going to be some fumbles and some mistakes and some dead air, but you know, pe- people like asking questions. So that's that's my favorite part is literally just pulling questions and reading them off and thinking about them on the fly because I think that's what people like with live content. You know, there isn't a, a script. They can ask me something even if I don't have an answer. They're watching me respond and watching my brain try to process it. And I think that's part of what makes good live content. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was a pretty good show. Um, I didn't really, I didn't ask any questions or anything, but I was there and um, watched it and saw people's questions, and I, I thought it went pretty well. So hopefully, I know it's not a thing you're going to do every single week, but you know, if you do it like once a month, I think it should be pretty good, or once, twice a month, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think my plan is to do it at least half the half the weeks during the month. So we're talking, right. you know, four 
four to five months or four to five weeks per, per month. Some weeks have five, some have four. Probably do at least two of them. Just because there's there's periods in Dynasty to where it's like there's nothing really to talk about, but there's a lot to talk about. You know, think about during the times where there's so much going on, we can't even really have some of the dynasty debates or discussions that we want to have because there's so much information moving at one time. Like you really don't have the time during week 10 on Friday afternoon to really have these discussions because there's so much to try to figure out lineups, injuries, trades, all that stuff's going on at one time and it's changing. So I figure the off season actually is the best time for the unscripted content. You know, that's why like our trades in five shows are great because they're just people asking questions. I didn't even think to talk about that, but Hey, someone asked a question and it generated five more thoughts in my head. And all of a sudden we have a 15 minute segment on something. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I think this off season is the best time because people can talk about 10 different things and it's still applicable to the time. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I mean, show was show was good. And like you said, we'll, uh, we'll tweet it out on our account you know, when you're going to go live and stuff. I know I did that this week for you. Um, yeah, so it'll be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to uh, to more of those. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, we'll do a, an episode on this, you know, probably here in the near future, the auto accept trade blocks. When do you... Um, when do you plan on starting those up again? Are you looking to do them right now? Or are you looking to maybe do them later at a different point in the off season? What are your thoughts on that? Are you, is that something you're looking to do now? You know, I've thought about it. I haven't posted any, I don't know if you've posted any, I haven't seen any that have been posted in the last two weeks or so. Uh, but I haven't really thought of doing any right now, but I would figure that it's a pretty decent time to do it. I think they have to be targeted to specifically what you're going to be looking for at this time of year. But I think this is the perfect season to try to liquidate some assets if, if you can. It's hard to do it at this point because a lot of what you probably want to liquidate and sell is not what's in demand. And then you have the whole running back landscape that is basically on hold for everybody. Like everybody knows who's going to be a free agent. Everybody knows what backfields are going to get shaken up. So it feels like a lot of people are not really moving on either side of that. They're just kind of waiting to see where everything lands. And then with the rookies coming in, like it just feels like there's not a lot to put on the auto accept trade block. But I figure if you put some players up there and somebody is just zagging where you're zigging or vice versa, then maybe you would get some deals done. So I think it has viability. I mean, honestly, now that you brought it up, my goal will probably be to have some auto accept trade blocks up in leagues, especially once we see some of the orphans and dispersal drafts get done, like probably have some up by end of the month, right? Like it can't hurt to get some extra seconds, thirds, fourths, whatever it might be, especially we usually do for our leagues. Like what do we usually do? Super Bowl Sunday ish is when you have to have your rosters cut down because an MFL usually rolls it over the next week. Right. Like if it's a 32 man rosters, we'll expand it when we get to the off season. But before that, you have to cut down to the 32. Then we'll expand it for the rookie draft after the rollover. But right now, I mean, I have some teams that are at like 30, but then I got nine guys on IR. You know what I mean? Like I have to cut down to the 32. So there is, you know, some some money to be made by freeing up some of those spots if you can. Um, and then adding some of those draft picks. You're essentially converting some of your roster spots into draft picks that you can you can save through that cut down period. 
So, I mean, I think it's very viable to do it. I mean, I just haven't done any yet, but I think you could justify putting some up this weekend. And I think you have to do it. Maybe it's a good time to do it now because there's nothing going on in leagues. There's probably people hanging out in the chats and they're just like, they have nothing to do. Ooh, Eric put up a trade block. I'm probably more likely to look at it now than I would be in the middle of a, a week during the season, you know? Because then I'm like, I don't even really care. I'm not looking to buy anything at that point. So maybe right. it is a good time. What do you think? I mean, you think if you have the energy and like this is the time to probably put some up? Yeah, I think so. Especially when there's just a lot of unknown right now. You know, nobody knows where any of these free agents are going to sign. Nobody knows where any of these rookies are going to sign. Um, you know, I I noticed another thing too. I don't know if you've noticed it in our leagues, but like when there isn't like the actual number attached to the picks and it just says so-and-so's team 2023 third round pick and it doesn't say like 301 on it, like people are more willing to trade their picks now, you know, even though it doesn't have the number next to it. I don't know if you've ever run into that, but that's kind of what I've always seen like um, happens in my leagues. That's a great point. I've run into some circumstances where I have like a 102 or a 103 and I'm trying to trade it. But because it doesn't say that number yet, it, it almost feels like the pick isn't as valuable until everything shows what that pick is. Then people will start taking it seriously. It's like, ooh, you have the 102 and the 103. You know what I mean? But it feels like if I send it now, I have to put a comment in there like, hey, that's the 103. Because very, very few people are probably going to go and look at the draft order. Maybe they will, but a lot of people aren't even, if they know they're not going to take the trade, they're not even going to bother. You know, they're just going to go, I'm going to decline it. But in a month, when that pick says the 201 or the 104, it feels like it's a much more direct path to getting them to decline it or accept it because they see the pick right in front of you. So I think that's a great point. I think you're going to get more trades done when you have the actual pick numbers. So probably in about a month, we'll have right. the pick numbers and stuff. But yeah, right now someone has to go look at the draft order. And a lot of my leagues don't even post the draft order. At least on ours, you go through and post the draft order at some point so people could see it. But some of mine, like I've gotten offered a trade, a random first for a player, and I have to go and see where the pick is. And it's not even posted. So then I have to go and look at the potential points. And, you know, it's a pain in the ass if it's not posted or, you know, there isn't a running tally. So that definitely influences whether somebody probably looks at a trade seriously or not. Yeah, I've, you know, that's why I always um, put those on our leagues. You know, um, I usually keep up with them throughout the playoffs and keep it updated just so everybody knows, hey, this is where you stand or this is where your pick is going to be, uh, this set of picks. So It's yeah, probably for you, that... too, because you probably get annoyed when it's not posted. Yeah, exactly. It's just useful for our leagues to do it, and I can keep up with it. You can Everybody can see where they're at. And, you know, if you own another team's pick, you can easily just click on the, the message board post and see, oh, this guy finished third, so he's going to be the 303. I have his 303, so I can, you know, use that. Uh, maybe I want to trade my third instead instead of his because mine's lower, whatever. So I think I think I find that easier. But, yeah, no, I was just kind of curious about if, if you were planning on maybe doing that anytime soon and maybe, like, what are some guys that you want to um, even trade for, like – I don't know. I kind of just want to just buy running backs. I don't think there's there's not really any wide receivers outside of like the you know the main threshold receivers that I want to buy. I don't think anybody's looking to sell there like Jalen Hurts or Pat Mahomes right now, um, or anything like that. Tight end, same thing. 
And then another thing too is do you, do you feel like um, trading for guys who are still in the playoffs is a little risky just because, I mean, hey, you never know. Somebody blows an ACL in a playoff game, you know, like that too, and then you kind of screwed. I mean, that's in the back of your mind when you're discussing a trade for a guy still in the playoffs. I mean, the odds are low, probably not as low as if they get hurt, you know, playing soccer in their spare time or something like that. You know, anything freaky can happen to anybody at any point. But, I mean, that is true. There are players that are going to play three, four more games this year. And that's three or four more potential days where they could get hurt. And how many more plays or hits or, you know, snaps or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely in the back of your mind. I probably would be less likely to make one of those deals if I was paying the market price for one of these running backs that's in, a, you know, one of the playoff games that potentially could play in the Super Bowl, a guy like McCaffrey or something like that. He could easily get hurt in the playoffs. Not to wish that, but there's a really good shot that he plays three or four more games this year. And he's already older. He's already had a lot of injuries. Like, that'd be the kind of guy that if he were to have a serious injury in the playoffs, like, that could ruin his whole dynasty career, you know, because he's already 27 years old. So yeah, there's definitely that fear of an injury. And just back to your point, you know, you you sit here and you say, what are you looking to buy right now? What are you looking to buy? And I'm sitting here like racking my brain going, you know, yeah, sure. I'd love to buy elite quarterbacks, you know, any of the top nine quarterbacks. And I think we've said it enough times, if they become available, if someone happens to say, oh, I'm going to trade, Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson or something like someone could maybe want to trade fields because they think the bears could mess with him and maybe draft a quarterback, right? Something like that or Watson. Cause you know, he wasn't good down the stretch. Like there could be reasons where they might shop those guys. So I'm always looking for those, but I'm not going out there trying to get them necessarily. The ones that I'm, I'm trying to do that are the ones where I have the 102, 103, 104. And I almost feel like I'm better off just waiting until those picks are the numbers, like you said, and then being aggressive to send out those offers. But there's still an advantage if somebody is willing to put those guys on the block, there's an advantage in just trying to get them. So I think just by default, I'm always trying to get those types of players. Uh, And then the receivers, yeah, like we'll talk about receivers here in a second, but I'm kind of with you. Like I've thought more about this might be the time because everybody is obsessed with receivers. I mean, I don't know if you've looked at any startups or startup ADP, but it's just receiver, 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 you know, like to the point where people are taking shitty receivers over good running backs because they're scared the running back's going to fade away to black. You know what I mean? But it's like, dude, the, the odds that the wide receiver 50 in two years is a nothing burger is just as high as the running back because he's not even that good to begin with. You know, there's some receivers that people are taking And it's like, yeah, I understand he's young and maybe he has a little potential, but, you know, you're literally drafting a receiver because he's young. But what if he's not good? And if he's not good, what's going to happen in the next two draft cycles? He's just going to get pushed down. You know what I mean? Like taking a guy like Kadarius Toney over a productive running back. Dude, the dude could be out of the league in two years. So it's like you're taking him because he's a receiver, yet you're, you're passing up on guys that are at least going to score points. So I'm kind of with you. Like I want to mess around with building some teams like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go. I'm just going to keep taking the Derek Henry's and Austin Eckler's and Josh Jacobs. If I, if I get two years out of them, it's probably better than what I'm getting 
at the same price in a startup or a startup auction on the receivers, just because everyone is just obsessed with receiver, receiver, receiver. So my point is, I think we've kind of flipped. Do you think we've kind of jumped the shark now to the point where the running backs are starting to become more valuable than receivers just because everyone in the league is fading them? Yeah, I think it depends on, on what running backs they are. But yeah, like the some of these running backs you can get, you know, almost for a second. I'm, you know, there's probably a few of them. You know, Austin Eckler, you're probably going to cost you a, a, a first. Josh Jacobs right now, probably a back-end first. Derrick Henry, maybe a back-end first. And probably maybe top of the second, somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are, are definitely worth buying for sure. Well, let me ask you this, because those are the obvious ones, the ones that are still worth a first, right? Does it feel like the ones that are less than that are the ones you're still scared to buy for picks, though? Yeah, that that was one of the things I was going to ask you, because I, I wrote about it on the um, the uh, newsletter this morning about, you've talked about it as like buying multiple running backs for like a third or a second or whatever and seeing if you can do it that way and get three shots at the, you know, kicks at the can, basically, um, doing something like that. I think that's kind of more what I would like to do if I can do it. But, you know, it's not, you know, who knows if it's even possible right now. There's also some other running backs, too, like I'd be willing to sell for, okay, I put up Kareem Hunt, and somebody's giving me a second for Kareem Hunt. Okay, I'm doing it. I'll, I'll sell Kareem Hunt for a second. I don't think I think he's worth more than a third, but if somebody's willing to give me a, a, a second for him, I'll do it. Even I think uh, another thing too I wanted to mention was twenty twenty four picks. I don't care, I'll stock up on twenty twenty four picks as well. I'm okay with that because I, I really like that class as well. So I don't know what do you think about like those types of buying buying running backs for multiple picks and then buying like. Um, you know, the little bit more known running backs like uh, that are, aren't worth a first, like Kareem Hunt, maybe Tony Pollard, players like that. Well, Pollard's definitely one of those that's worth first. But to to your point, I'm interested in buying the guys that I know are really good. But then when you get down to the tier below that, if I said, Eric, are you if I have these guys, let's say you tell me you're building a running back heavy team, right? Like you're going to kind of zig when everyone else is zagging. But then I come to you and say, I'll give you Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, Miles Sanders, and Kareem Hunt. You got to give me four seconds. And you're going, I don't, I don't really want to buy any of those guys for seconds. Like you'd rather hold your second and wait and see what you can get later. Cause all four of those guys could like be backups, you know what I mean? Or they could be great. Like there's a big range of outcomes to where in that range is the ones where you're probably not wanting to buy, but you're not wanting to buy because there's some risk of they're all going to change situations. You know, they're, you never know where they're going to go. You never know what they're going to sign for. So there's risk. So you're hesitant to buy, but in a way, isn't the move to buy those types and take the risk and just be willing to eat the loss if you lose. But then again, it feels like the second is the price anyway. You're never getting them. You're never selling them for a first. So why would you buy for a second? when all the risk is in front of you. I don't know. It, it, it's a conundrum because as soon as I say, hey, we're going down a tier or two, you don't want to buy those guys. Those are the guys you probably will put on the auto accept trade block, right? Like get rid of some of those and just let me bank all the picks. Yeah, I'm with you on, on what you said with, I don't want to 
I'd rather have the seconds and not buy all those guys for the seconds because I'm taking all the risk right now. I don't know if Devin Singletary is going to have a starting job or Kareem Hunt or whoever. Um, yeah, you're just taking all the risk, and you might not have uh, that second-round pick. And that second-round pick, actually, this year, I think I, I really like the second round of um, rookie mocks that we've done so far. Like, there's a lot of players in there that I really like. So I'm I'm all about accumulating some second round picks right now. Now can you now can you get two of those guys for a second? Because I would do that. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was talking about earlier was buying three running backs for a third or something like that. If you could get like you've talked about, can I get Deontay Foreman, Marlon Mack, and Kevin Harris for a third, for mm-hmm. one single third? You know, buying guys like that. If I could get. Devin Singletary and Kareem Hunt for a second. Yeah, I'll do that. But I'll do people make those them. deals, or do you think they're looking for the one for one? I don't know. We're gonna I haven't even out. tried. Yeah, well, we're going to find out here shortly. So, yeah, no, I was just kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Um, if you've tried it yet, if you plan on trying it, and if you've had any success. I haven't tried, but partially it's the same as what we talked about earlier. We don't have the pick numbers yet. You know, like I, I'm – I kind of know where some of my picks stand, but I haven't tracked them all. And usually I like to go through once we get all the picks and, and kind of see where my picks are in the draft order. So I know, you know, how many 201s, 204s, 207s and stuff that I have. Like I try to track those. So I kind of have an idea of where I have the most exposure. But yeah, I think there's definitely, I talked about this on the stream the other night, like, and on the, the podcast last week. I mean, I don't necessarily want to draft 20 shares of this random third round or fourth round running back you know i don't need 20 i'm fine with 10 but with the other 10 instead of using a third rounder can i do what you were just saying and buy three bodies and maybe they're not bodies that are any better than the guy i'm drafting but it's three shots instead of one it's three rookies from last year that are yesterday's news because they didn't do anything you know, give me the Ty Chandler, Jerome Ford, Tyrion Davis Price. Give me three of those guys for the 304. You know what I mean? And like, instead of picking one guy at 304, I get three of those rookies from last year. Like, I don't know if that's viable, but I, it makes sense to me if you can get those type of deal. Basically, I go to Eric's roster and I go, Eric, you got a bunch of running backs at the bottom of your team. Give me three of them. Now, I'm going to probably want the ones that I kind of like a little bit or the ones that I guarantee I think are going to make a team, but like, they don't have to be three good guys. They just need to be three bodies. That accomplishes the same thing that we're going to probably be trying to do with our thirds and fourths and waiver pickups, but it helps diversify a little bit. So, because I mean, I know I'm going to end up with a bunch of thirds and fourths and I'm going to be like, man, I'm going to end up with, you know, 25 of next year's trust in Ebner. You know what I mean? Like I don't need 25. I'm fine with like 10 or 15 and I'd rather get more of other guys. So that's definitely a strategy. I think it's just a little too early to do it because people aren't active enough to do those type of things yet. Right. I'm also curious if people would be willing to sell three running backs for just a single third. Like, it seems like, oh, I want a second if I'm going to do that. Listeners yeah. to this, no. But yeah, you, the frustrating thing is you have to hunt these deals. They're not going to come to you. But then you also see crazy things that happens in leagues where it's like, I go to you and say, Eric, give me your Jerome Ford and Ty Chandler and Marlon Mack for a third. And you go, I'm not saying you, but just in this scenario, the other person, right? And they go, no, I want more. 
three days later, they cut Marlon Mack because they need to make a fourth round pick. You know what I mean? Like you'll right. see people that won't do that deal because it looks like it's lopsided. And then two weeks later, they will cut one of those running backs that you wanted and they'll pick up, a you know, a waiver quarterback or a waiver receiver. So it's like, it just feels like you have to find your spots to do those deals. And I think it's going to come down to when people are on, I think the best time to do it, quite honestly, is when people are down to roster cuts and they know they have to get under like 30 or 32 and they're not sure who to cut. Like that's a time where someone's willing to do a three for one and they really don't care because they know they have to cut five guys. And if you're taking three for one and you're giving them a pick, then they'll do it. And I know I have some teams that are shy on running backs and I, once I cut all my, my dead ass quarterbacks and a lot of my roster clogger receivers, I have some free roster spots. So I think that's going to be the time, like cut down times when you can make those deals. So that's probably when I'll be hunting for them. Okay, cool. Um, so you, you mentioned it here earlier. You brought up this wide receiver sheet that you uh, mentioned. So I'll let you go ahead and explain it a little bit, what you created here, and we can talk um, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and I, all I really did was pull the data from the 33rd team, which is a pretty good site. Uh, it's got a lot of a lot of this data that's already there. You just have to export it and then kind of just shine it up and make it look presentable. So basically what I did is I just went through and I filtered for receivers from 2022 that played at least 30 snaps per game and 15 routes runs. They ran 15 routes per game and 30 snaps played per game. So I wanted to establish not only a big enough sample size for receivers that played enough per game, but also played enough throughout the season. So I'm looking for two things. Like I don't want any small sample sizes of guys that only played like four or five games, but then I also didn't want players that were part-time players, but when they were on the field, they played a little bit better than probably what their usage was. So think of guys that are just, you know, like Justin Watson was one that I had to omit because he didn't play enough per game, but he pretty much played every game. Like he's out there every game, but he's clearly like a number five receiver. You know, like he's never going to be more, but it's fair to say that he's probably good enough to maybe be a number four receiver or something because he was okay with his usage, but it was just slightly under both thresholds. So essentially it, it omitted all but 91 players this year. So 91 receivers hit the basic marks of 30 snaps a game and 15 routes run per game. And then essentially I just went in and looked at four different categories. So I looked at their target share percentage, their targets per route run, their yards per route run, and then their team air yard share. So I looked at those four things and then I weighted the market share a little bit higher because I think that's the fundamental thing to judge whether a receiver can earn the ball or earn targets. So I'm always going to kind of favor that as the first thing to filter out. And then after that, you know, what did they do with the targets? You know, how frequently were those targets coming with how many routes they were running? Uh, what were they doing with their targets? You know, yards per route run is one of those stats that's probably more of like, it's not all a quarterback stat, but, you know, obviously the the higher yards per attempt or the higher A dot of your quarterback is going to lead to generally a higher yards per route run for the receiver. So there's going to be some where you're like, yeah, that guy had a really low number. Well, okay, we'll look at his quarterback data and you'll probably get an idea of why it's a little bit lower. And then the air yard share, if you think about it this way, if you just took target share and you got a target share that's really high, and then you also took air yard share and that was really high, the power of combining the two, that probably projects to a lot of fantasy points, right? 
Because like you're getting more targets and you're getting potential more yards with the targets. So when you combine the two, you're like, this is where you're probably going to find the really, really good players. So basically, I just came up with like an aggregate score to try to judge these receivers. And the number shouldn't really be taken like as gospel. But what it should do is kind of help you spot some tiers. And the most useful thing that the reason I shared this with you, I think the most useful thing is all the names at the top. It really doesn't matter if a guy is fifth or eighth or tenth, like largely they're all pretty much the same. And then at the very bottom, you can kind of spot the guys that are just clearly bad. Probably at the bottom, I would say, are the guys that shouldn't be used like they were. Like they probably played too much and they're not very good. So they probably shouldn't play much. But I think the middle part is fascinating because like we were talking in the discord, the middle part in lineup leagues for me is kind of the line of where you're going to spot the roster cloggers. So I'll just give you a quick example. And I talked about this on the, the Destination Dynasty show a couple weeks ago. So an example would be a guy like Michael Gallup. Okay. So Michael Gallup is, you know, essentially a player where you could say all of his numbers are outside of the top 40. The only number he was inside the top 50 was target share and he was 49th. So that's the type of player that you would, you would agree. Michael Gallup is not a roster clogger, right? I'd say he's a step above it. Right. But he's also a player where you go, okay, the other guys around him, where if you just ignored the name and you looked at the other guys around him, and I would give you names like Mac Hollins or Khalif Raymond, Van Jefferson, like they're some of those names you would go, they're roster cloggers, right? So effectively, it's kind of pointing out of the names that are in this cluster in the middle. So call it maybe like 50 to 75. All of those essentially are the ones where you look at the list and you say, let me sell the ones that someone might give me something for. And I'll pick up the ones to replace them if I wanted to, if I wanted to add another receiver because I need to hit a certain number for my roster construction, I'll take one of the others for free. Some of these guys might even be sitting out on your waiver wires, quite honestly. So it's like, there's no difference between the two. So the real takeaway for me in lineup leagues is sell the ones that are in the middle. Those are the ones you're putting on your auto accept trade block any second, any second, Allen Robinson, any, any second, Michael Gallup, any second, Curtis Samuel, any second, Tyler Boyd, like just go ahead. You can have them. Yeah. And then for best ball, I think the ones in this range that don't have any market value are probably ones you want to get for best ball, right? Probably the ones where you look at the name and you go, wow, you know, Khalif Raymond. Wow. Marvin Jones. Chris Moore, you know, those types are like, you would never want those in a lineup league. We would already mark those down as roster cloggers, but yeah, best ball, if you cut half of them, exactly. But best ball, if you could get those guys for less than a third, you'd be like, okay, I'll do it. If you can buy multiples for one single third, it's the same principle as running backs. Cause I know Adam and Mike have talked about this in lineup leagues. We're fine collecting any running back with a pulse, right? Yeah, For best ball, you don't want to carry any running back with a pulse because you don't want 10 guys on your team that are getting zeros every week because you're waiting for them to get elevated from the taxi squad. Right, 100%. So like in best ball, the roster cloggers, the ones that are on the fringe but have no market value, those are the targets for me in best ball. And that's something different that I'm having to adjust to because in lineup leagues, I've already omitted those guys. For best ball, I'm going, hmm, if I can buy three roster clogger receivers for a third in best ball, 
I'll do it. I'll buy uh, Chris Moore. I'll buy a Mac Hollins. You know, you might not value him, but I'll take three of those guys. And all of a sudden I have 11 of them on my roster and I might be able to get by with some average receivers. So that's the takeaway for me. It's looking at the top. Okay. These top 20, 20, 25, 30, those guys are all really good. The top, you know, the bottom 10, 20, those guys all suck. And then the middle, I think, is where you can do all the action. And then the last thing would be if you spot somebody in the middle that has really high market value, and it goes back to what I posted in the Heisman. I don't know if you saw that, but the two names on the list that have the most market value, and they are the lowest on the chart, are who? and Dotson. Pickens and Dotson. And it's not saying they're not good. It's just saying... Essentially, what I'm doing with this data is looking at George Pickens and, and Jahan Dotson and saying they are not any better than like their their best outcome would be to try to get into the range where like, you know, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown are, you know what I mean? Right. And really, the old, the other thing with those guys is like, are you really excited about George Pickens or Jahan Dotson's situation? Not at the moment, no, but it's not like... They're not horrible. They're, they're, but they're at least they're at least uh, Michael Gallup without the quarterback. Okay, you know, so put it this solid way: solid second on their team. Are either of their situations one where you're super excited that the situation could elevate a wide receiver three ish type guy to higher numbers? Not at the moment, no. Okay, so that was my point: was that not saying these guys aren't good, but if you can move George Pickens or Jahan Dotson, simply because they're young and simply because they were rookies that had passable rookie years, take advantage of that market. Because really, their trajectory right now is in two or three years. Guess what they are? Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Mike Willie. They just don't have the same name cachet because they're three or four years in instead of rookies. So that's all. That's the, that's the only thing to use this data to take advantage of the fact that the market is not going to catch up as fast as maybe what the data says. And can they get better? Yeah, it's dangerous always to say a rookie is what they is or is what he is. But I think there's some actionability with how you can spot these receivers that are in the same tiers and then just use their situations as a tiebreaker. You know, like okay. there's some situations you know what they're going to be. You know what team, you know, this guy's going to be on. You have a pretty good idea what team Christian Kirk's going to be on for the next three years. You have no clue what Terry McLaurin's situation is going to look like but they're probably very similar. So how do you play it? You know, is there a deal to be had where you send one for the other and you get pick up an extra second for a third or something like that. So that's how I'm going to use this. I'm still in the early stages, but uh, I wanted to put that out there just because there's a lot you can take away from it in terms of playing the market over the next couple months. Yeah. And a lot of these guys on this list and the specific area that you brought up, I could definitely see, okay, I can sell that guy for a second. I can sell this one for a second. And the rest of these guys, I can at least put out there, hey, I'll take any third for them. And I could probably get a third for, I would say, 50% of these guys that are on here. You know, like who's could, standing out to you as guys you would you would sell for a third? That I would sell for a third if I could get it. Like Terrace Marshall, I'd sell for a third. Devontae Parker had a couple touchdowns there at the end. Somebody might buy him for a third. Um, Chase Claypool, I'd sell for a second. I think any second, I think I could get um, sell him. Alec Pierce, I think I'd be fine selling for a third. Curtis Samuel for a third. Adam Thielen for a third. Corey Davis for a third. Um, Matt Collins for a third, if somebody's willing to buy that. 
I don't think you can get a second for Allen Robinson. I think you have to drop Allen Robinson to a third. Mm, Paris Campbell, any third. KJ Osborne, any third again. Isaiah McKenzie, any third, gone. Tyquan Thornton, any third, gone. I'm sure so you it, agree with most of those. I think I agree with all of them, but it's interesting that in a in a deep best ball league, you would pay a third. If I said, I'll give you a third, and or you give me a third, and you get Corey Davis, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Mac Hollins, you'd probably yeah, pay I'd a third pay. if you got all three, right? Yeah, in a best ball, yep. So that's where the theory in best ball and lineup is different. In lineup, what were we just talking about 10 minutes ago? Yeah, I don't want to start any of these fucking bums. But in lineup, you were talking about paying, you'd pay a third for three running back bodies, right? Yeah, for three running back bodies, yeah. And in best ball, you'd pay a third for three receiver bodies. So yep. it's literally opposite. So that's how I'm going to be using this because I'm going to be playing in more best ball leagues. I have to embrace the fact that, you know, do I really want to roster Mac Hollins? No, that's a guy I've already zeroed out of all my lineup leagues, but I have to realize, okay, I'm going to have to add some of those guys back. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to be at a disadvantage in best ball because there are there are applications. And I think the biggest gap in best ball and lineup strategy operates in this range of player mm. at both running back and receiver. It's literally the opposite. And again, I, I'll give Adam and Mike kudos because they've talked about this. They've they haven't criticized or critiqued a lot of my roster construction stuff, but they've brought it up on their show like, hey, in best ball, it's op- it's the opposite. You got to move the the goalposts a little bit in terms of where you want to put your cutoffs at players and the format definitely changes it. So at least that's what I'm seeing, but it's a good observation. Uh, what guys would you say you'd sell for a second? Cause I think that's where you got to put a little name behind it and that's where you'll get the seconds. But I definitely agree with you. There's a lot more receivers I'd sell for seconds than ones that I wouldn't. Um, I mean, just looking at from where I have it right now from like 46 to 85, I would sell Rondell Moore for a second, DJ Chark, Josh Palmer. Um, would you sell Chase Gabe Claymore. Davis, Gabe Davis, DPJ, and Juju? Because I think people will like those three. Uh, those are tough ones, aren't they? Because yeah. you know you're not getting a first. Yeah. I don't think I would... I think I would just keep those guys because I do like them because of the offenses they're on. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to ask you, there's three Giants up here. Darius Slayton, 43. Richie James was up here somewhere, uh, 47th. And Isaiah Hodgins, 52. What do you do with those guys? Because I don't trust any of them. He, well, I mean, Slayton's those are probably... Agent, so. Yeah, Slayton will be gone. I mean, I, I know Hodgins has been a... Kind of a a cult yeah, hero. Ray's been pumping him up. Yeah, and I mean, I think when Ray pumps him up, he's probably coming at it from a best ball lens too, right? Like, I don't really trust Isaiah Hodgins to be anything other than a best ball player. Mm-hmm. But these, if you again, if you ignore the data, or if you take the data and ignore the names, you could say Isaiah Hodgins is the same thing as Donovan Peoples Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't agree with that. In a lineup league, you'd still keep Donovan Peoples-Jones. In a lineup league, Isaiah Hodgins feels more like a roster clogger, right? Yep, agreed. But what this data is saying is that you can probably get away with saying, okay, I only need one of these guys. I have one roster spot occupied with this type of receiver. Let me take advantage of the fact that someone might give me a second for DPJ, but they would sell me Isaiah Hodgins for a third because they don't think he's any good. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So that's the move. The move is literally to go, okay, can I sell DPJ for a second and then go buy a guy like Isaiah Hodgins for a third? Now that's assuming you want to get another receiver. Some of my teams already have nine or 10 receivers and I have a couple picks too. So I don't need to go get a receiver every time I trade one away. But the theory would be if you look at your roster and, you know, DPJ is your wide receiver eight and Isaiah Hodgins is your wide receiver nine, which one are you going to sell? You're going to sell DPJ because he's the one he probably more teams would want. And they're basically the same thing on your team and you only need one of those spots. So that's how, yeah, that's how you got to look at it. Okay. Yeah. I agree with most of that. So very uh, interesting. Was there any other interesting guys that, you know, you saw up here like through target share rank or yards per route run? Any, anyone stand out to you? I mean, Tyreek Hill has a stand out to you, right? Just to see how far ahead he is, is of everybody else. I mean, he's basically top four in everything, which is pretty crazy. And then I don't know if you caught it, but team air yards shared. Did you see who was number one overall in air yards? Um, no, I did not off the top of my head. So Alave oh. was two all year. DJ Moore, right? DJ Moore passed him. So that wow. again, and this it's funny because this was actually DJ Moore's worst season in terms of like, well, not his worst season. His rookie year was worse, but this was his worst year, I believe, in the last four from like a market share standpoint. And then you look at his raw numbers, and I believe he had 114 targets. And people are going to go, oh, he didn't have a lot of targets. But then you look into this data and you go, I mean, look at the names that are around DJ Moore. I mean, name the four names that are the two above and two below DJ Moore. Who are they? Um, and that would be Devontae and Tyreek, right? Well, no, the not, not in that, just overall. Name oh, the two overall. above and below DJ Moore. Just give those four names for everybody. CD Lamb and Diggs are above them and below them is Chase and London. All right. So it, I know this is a small subset of things but it's like kind of just reaffirms that like can we just get that guy a good quarterback eric please like yeah we've been waiting for it since 2018 right but i mean every everything you put together that that looks at this stuff he is always in the mix with all of the elite guys and it's just like can we get him a quarterback i don't know who that is i not super confident that a rookie can come in and really help him that much, but still, like that's one of the ones that stood out to me. And it's like, yep, another great year for DJ Moore. Yet yeah, people are going to look at fantasy points and go, uh, he's just a guy. So that's it. There's a lot more stuff on here we could probably go through, maybe for a future episode because we still got. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little more about it next week. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we've already got into some um, startup auctions filling a couple dispersals. So yeah, we got all kinds of content um, coming up. And then we'll also, I'd like to do, I don't know, a whole podcast, but at least a, a nice chunk of a segment on uh, the auto trade block. So maybe we'll do that around like when the MFL rolls over um, and really get into that when people are a little more active. Oh yeah, for sure. We can do that. So, um, all right, so our last part here that we wanted to do and talk about um, was the FFPC playoff challenge. Mm-hmm. So I've never done one. I don't. I don't know if you've done one, um, but it's pretty cool. I think you just pick a you pick a lineup and you can only use one player from each team. I think is how I, I was reading it broke down, right? 
Yeah, I've done a, I've done quite a few of them in the past. So I'll go through the basic format. I'm sure people have uh, heard these talked about on some other podcasts this week too. There's been a lot of content that has talked about, you know, strategy for this format. But mm-hmm. uh, essentially, what it is is, and I'll share my screen so you can see it and we can track it together. But essentially, okay. what it is is, so it's a a contest where you are basically picking one player from each team and the format is there's 12 players on your team. So you don't, you don't change it after week one, you pick it before the playoffs and that's your roster. Uh, It's a big tournament, just similar to everything the FFPC runs. And essentially the only caveat is that you get double the points in the Super Bowl. So those are the parameters. There's 12 starters. You start a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a kicker, a defense, and four flex. So 12 starters. Now there's 14 teams in the playoffs. So obviously there's going to be two teams that you don't use. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else is live. You get one player per team and you get double the points in the Super Bowl. So you really, you just start there and you think about, okay, obviously you want to get players that are going to score a lot of points and are going to go far into the tournament. Yeah, but there's going to be, I believe, four hundred and four hundred and some thousand entries potentially. I'm not sure exactly how many there's going to be, but there's going to be a lot. So the idea of just putting in the best players that are going to go the furthest isn't necessarily going to win because you're going to run into you know twenty people that have the exact same lineup. Even if you have a kind of unique one, you still have to kind of look at okay, how common is this going to be? I would rather be the one that takes all the risk and has one lineup the last week that has a chance of winning. I have, I'm one of five guys in the top hundred that have this player in the Super Bowl versus being, you know, 51 out of a hundred that have Patrick Mahomes. Cause I'm probably not going to win there unless I've won all the chalk beforehand. So you got to think about that. It's like a DFS lineup. You got to look at the ownership just as much as you look at the number of points. Okay. So we can just start there. I'll share my screen. So I, so Listening to you there, I think the most important thing, well, not the most important thing, but one of the important things to get off from the beginning is to pick our two teams that we don't want anybody from that we think is going to lose this week. And I think number one for me would be Miami. I don't want anybody from Miami. Okay, so you basically fade Miami? Yep, fade Miami. And then I'm thinking for the second one, going between Baltimore and Seattle. For my second one. What's your theory behind Miami? Skylar fucking Thompson. That's it. They got no fucking shot. And I don't think they're going to score very much. I mean, they couldn't even score against the Jets. Okay, so, so you're you're out on Miami simply because of Skylar Thompson. You can't you can't see a potential of using like Jeff Wilson potentially because no. they're going to have to run. No. Okay. Well, I got it pulled up here. So the only the only pushback I'll say is this is I think everybody is going to pick Miami to get knocked out, right? Yep. Now, if a lot of people use your logic of they don't want any dolphins, then is it contrarian enough to pick a dolphin and hope that really all you're playing against if you have a dolphin in the lineup is you're playing against the other three teams or the other five teams that get eliminated, right? Right. Like, basically, you're playing that... There's going to be six teams that are eliminated this week. 
So really you're playing against the one-off players from those teams. Right. So really it comes down to they're all the same. You're picking from the six teams that you think are going to get eliminated. Let's start there. Who are the teams you think get eliminated this week? Miami. Yeah, so we'll go through the first game. First game, Seattle and San Fran. I would say Seattle gets eliminated there. Okay, so Seattle, Miami, what else? And then the uh, let's get Chargers and uh, Jags is on the other uh, Saturday night game. I would say that one is is a toss up for me. I can see that one going either way, honestly. So I don't know yet, to be honest. Okay, so let's pull that one back then, because if it's a toss up, we're gonna want to correlate our future matchups on the toss up games. So let's start with the ones you're. Who are the teams you are for sure getting eliminated this week? Dolphins. Okay. Um, Dolphins, I think. Seattle, Seahawks. I think. Think. Um, Baltimore, I think gets eliminated. Okay. Um, Giants and Vikings, I think, is a toss-up, honestly. And then um, Dallas and Tampa, I think, is a toss-up as well. Okay, so from the three teams you're confident are getting eliminated, Baltimore, Miami, Seattle. Yep. You are playing the best player from those three teams, and then you're having to think about the ownership of those players. So of those three teams, I don't care if they get eliminated or not. I've already assumed they're not going to make it past but we one also, game. But we also have two teams where we can't have anybody from completely because there's not enough teams. There's not enough spots. Correct. So I want I want two of those players most likely, unless I think like Tyreek Hill is going to go for 200 yards, and sure, I would on him for that one week. Well, but here's the, I guess here here is the pushback is if the other games are a toss up, that is going to impact how we build all the rest of our team. Because like let's say you right. tell me you tell me you think the Giants are going to upset the Vikings, right? Right. I think it's a possibility. You're, you're going to want to build your team correlated in a certain direction with that upset happening or not. So it's not just going to be who you pick from those games because it's going to affect the bracket. If the Giants were to get upset or the Giants were to upset the Vikings, that's going to change the round two potential games too. So the bracket's going to look a little bit different. So I'm right. no, I'm not saying your theory is wrong about not picking Baltimore or Miami or Seattle players, but I think you have to look at those three teams and say, okay, is anybody on those three teams, are you confident they're going to have a really good game and a losing effort? And then think about how many people are going to play that player. And that's why I mentioned Jeff Wilson, because it's like, I think Miami's going to have to run it a lot to even have a prayer. And then Mostert could be out with a broken thumb. So it's like, Jeff Wilson could put up 22 points. And the beauty of Jeff Wilson is, let's say 100,000 people are playing in the tournament, less than 100 people might even pick him. So right. if he hits, you are now ahead of everybody else and they have less players to catch up with you. So I think right. that's, well, that that's the only pushback. And I agree with you on Baltimore because I think everybody is going to pick Baltimore defense because they could lose but still get, you know, an interception, a fumble, three sacks. You know what I mean? Right. And a lot of people are going to pick Justin Tucker because they're like, Justin Tucker could hit four field goals and then they get eliminated. Right. So I'm good fading Baltimore because I don't think there's anybody else in Baltimore that I would play, but a lot of people are going to play their defense and a lot of people are going to play Justin Tucker. Okay. So for so me, we'll that's just... one of the teams we avoid. Baltimore, we oh. avoid. Okay. Yep. I agree with that. So, All right. So how do you want to build this? Do you want to go team by team and talk about 
who would be the one player we want from that team, or do you want to go position by position, or how do you want to do it? Well, let's let let's look at now. Let's look at Miami and Seattle. Okay. Who do you think the best play that will be the least popular from those two teams is potentially going to be? Like, is there anybody that stands out? Because there's going to be people that go, I don't want a Dolphin for what you said. And then... I could, I could see Tyler Lockett. Okay. I could see him being, like, one of our flexes. Okay. Um, I, I could see him. Like, I guess him or DK, but I think they would pr- kind of focus more on DK where Lockett can kind of... Uh, he might not be as, you know, focused on. So that's kind of where I would lean, maybe lock it. I, I personally, I think I'd go Kenneth Walker. Because I don't think a lot of people are going to play him, but I, I think if they have a prayer, he gets 25 touches. Right. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people are going to think to play Kenneth Walker because they're going to think, ooh, San Francisco has a good run D. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I just think Lockett could actually beat them a little bit and where he might actually make some noise. I, I don't know how many people would play Lockett either, too. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think a lot of people will play Metcalf or Lockett for the reason you're saying. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of the receivers on Seattle is going to do decent, right? One of right. the two, probably. Yeah. So that's what we have to weigh. Is it? Is it? Let's say one was going to be five percent, one was going to be less than one percent. Which one would you prefer? Probably to, to beat a hundred thousand people. You're probably like, man, I'd rather take the shot because this is really where you're differentiating. You know the yeah. Because once you get to the final eight, there's going to be how many teams that have Travis Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, Jamar right. Chase. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it could literally be your week one guy that got eliminated could be the difference between whether you make it to the finals or not. True. So yeah. I'm good with Lockett or uh, I'm good with Lockett or Walker. I do think we should pick a Seattle Seahawk. I'm just not sure which route you want to go. And I, we only I have to start would, two receivers or running backs. Yeah, I think I would go Lockett because I have an idea of one of the running backs I want for sure. Okay, so we'll pencil in Tyler Lockett as our first receiver. All right, so Seattle is out. No more Seattle Seahawks, and I think we chose not to pick a Raven and not pick a Dolphin. So yeah, right now, right now, yeah, we can definitely look at. Um, um, I think, I think tight end. We just pencil in Kelsey. Just kind of okay. take that that free square. Okay. So we got Travis Kelsey in at tight end. Yep. Quarterback. Is a little different for me. Um, I think it's between Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen for me. I think I will just say this: Josh Allen will be played on probably two thirds of the teams in the tournament because he's yeah. seen as the number one quarterback. He's going to play four games, and the hardest game he would play is going to be in a friggin' dome. So he's not even going to have to go on the road. So he's basically getting the buy without the challenges of the buy. Yeah. I think I kind of lean maybe hurts because I think he has the best shot of being in the Super Bowl and him being in the Super Bowl, getting us those double points. Okay. I don't know. What do you think about that? Or do you have a feeling on Josh Allen or Burrow or. I think hurts is going to be pretty heavily rostered. Mm. Um, for two reasons. One, people, Mahomes and Hurts are in the same boat. 
right? Because right. they're both on a buy. I think a lot more people are just going to put Kelsey in because they're going to go, I don't know what other chief to play. Right. So I think a lot of people are going to play Hertz and not play Mahomes. So if you think about it that way, I think Mahomes might actually be the contrarian play if you were playing a quarterback that's only going to get three games. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're going to see a lot of Kelsey Hertz teams. Whereas I think you're going to see very few Mahomes Okay, so Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard teams, because a lot of people won't play Dallas Goddard because they're going to figure, man, if I hit right on Devontae Smith or AJ Brown, I'm going to smash the Eagles. But what if it's Dallas Goddard? It's going to be probably 20% AJ Brown, 20% Devontae Smith, like 4% Dallas Goddard. So he actually is going to give you an advantage if he hits. Okay, so maybe you want to take Kelsey out and and go Mahomes Goddard. Well, we can flex Goddard. That's another thing is in 1.5 premium, if Goddard hits, he in a two or three game stretch, he can outscore Devontae or A.J. Brown, right? Like that's very possible. So, I mean, he he is a contrarian and we could flex him if you wanted. I, I was just arguing between Hertz and Allen. We can play Allen, but you know how many teams are going to have Allen, Kelsey? Right, like every like everybody, you're gonna have to win. You're literally gonna have to be right about some of the bottom end players to even get one of those teams inside the top like fifty or a hundred that have that combo. So that's why I'm leaning against. If we're only gonna do one of these, I'm almost like I don't want to go with that chalk because that's gonna be like over fifty percent is gonna have that that tandem. I think the the most important part is to get your quarterback and make sure he's in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where you have to really kind of pick which quarterback's going to make it to the Super Bowl and which one's going to to put up points. If I had to like really choose right now, I think I would honestly go with Hertz or Mahomes as okay. the guys who would make it to the Super Bowl. So I'm okay if you want to switch it up and and take Kelsey out and go with Mahomes, or if you want to go with Hertz and Kelsey, I'm fine with that too. Well, I'm fine with going Hertz only because if he's gonna. You can't, you can't get, you can't win it without probably having your quarterback in the Super Bowl. I would agree with that. Mm. It's just when you get there, are you going to have enough juice to actually win it with your other player that's there? Because you're only going to have two players in the Super Bowl, right? Right. But if you are one of 324 teams that have Travis Kelsey versus Jalen Hurts, you, you can't win unless you're at the very top of that list. Right. So that's why I think it is important to have a little bit of a contrarian lineup. Mm-hmm. And almost a little bit of a contrarian Super Bowl, because if the yeah. chalk gets to the Super Bowl, then it's going to be like, oh, cool, I have the two best players in the Super Bowl, but yet, so do 484 other people in the tournament, and that dude right. picked it Jeff Wilson, and I picked, you know, whoever, and he beat me by 14 points, and I, now I just physically can't beat him because he we have the same two players. Right. So, I mean, what is your what is your gut say on the Super Bowl? Because I'm almost looking at the Super Bowl going. I want to have one contrarian guy in the Super Bowl, truthfully. Right. No, that makes sense. So, I mean, who do you think that could be? I'm I'm kind of leaning at least Chiefs and Eagles right now. Just go with the two one seeds. But it, it could be Eagles-Bills, too. I could see that because that's going to be that. I mean, if they get it, if they get that far, or Bengals bang, and Eagles, something like that. Yeah, Bengals are... Bengals are interesting, man, because you know what? I think they're seen as a contender, 
but also they have by far the hardest path because they would have to win at Buffalo and at Kansas City. Yeah. But if they got there, you would have a really unique team, you know? Because mm-hmm. I built three of these teams before we started this a couple of days ago. Okay. And it, honestly, the team that I thought I felt the best about had Burrow in the Super Bowl. Because you know what? Nobody's going to pick him. It's like doing a Burrow versus a Burrow and uh, I don't know. Who do you think gets in? The, and if, let's say it's Eagles. If you have like a Burrow AJ Brown Super Bowl or a Burrow Dallas Goddard Super Bowl, there could be a shot where like you're only one of like five people that even have those guys. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think I think it's going to be. I mean, that you can tell the four or five players: Allen, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hurts. Like those four are going to be in. Everyone's going to pick those guys. You know what I mean? Because it's so easy to project those teams to the Super Bowl. So this. I'll say this. If we go with Hertz and Kelsey, we need to really think outside the box with everybody else. Like, like we almost have to, we can't pick Diggs and Chase and Eckler. Like we have to diversify in two or three spots where everybody else is going to pick the chalk if we want to have a chance. So I'm good with it. I'm just kind of explaining what my thought process is. Well, we can change it up then. Let's go. I mean, what do you think is more contrarian? Mahomes and Goddard or Hertz and Kelsey? Mahomes and Goddard. So you want to switch him and go I'd, with that? Yeah, let's do it. Because I think everyone's going to have fuck Kelsey. Agree. Because he's so easy just to lock in and not yeah. mess with, right? Yeah. So, okay, yeah, I'm let... good with that. The one other guy that I absolutely must have is McCaffrey. Okay. That's, that's my 49er. So we'll go Mahomes, Lockett, Goddard, and then we'll lock in McCaffrey. I think you agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I've locked him into every one of them. There's usually one or two players that I've just pretty much put in every one just because even if they're 100% owned, they're such a better option than the other options on their team. There's no quarterback on San Fran. I don't think anybody will pick Purdy over how many good quarterbacks are in this tournament. Right. And then I think with Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle, I think those three could go any different way. Yeah. So McCaffrey's kind of like, you know what, I don't want to deal with guessing between Ayuk, Kittle, and Debo, so I'll just go with McCaffrey. He's probably going to get me 20. Should play three games, hopefully. And, you know, so yeah, I agree with that. That could be one where if you don't have McCaffrey, you don't even have a chance, even if you get the Super Bowl right. So Right, okay. Um, let's see. Let's go with um, the other first-round games. So, so Chargers and, and uh, Jags, we yeah. got to pick somebody from both. Mike Williams is out. Yeah. I kind of like your idea of Eckler, honestly, but I mean, I, mean, I know he's going to be kind of chalk. Um, yeah, I think everybody I think everybody will pick Eckler and Keenan Allen. This was this was only my, this was my hang up earlier when we were talking about Ravens and Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Cuz I guarantee you everyone will pick Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. Yeah, because it's one of the two. Yep. And they go, well, you know what? If the Chargers win, which they easily could win, then they're playing the Chiefs. And you got to figure both those guys can smash against the Chiefs, right? Right. So I think everybody is going to pick one of those two. So is there a play on the Chargers that is a diversification play, or is there a a chalk pick on the Chargers that you just can't pass up? And which one do you think would be the easier one to? Which one do you think will be less popular? 
And do we go with the other one? Because I think it's 50-50. Like, I think a lot of people will yeah, play Eckler, but I think a lot right. of people will play Keenan with Mike Williams out because he's been getting yeah. fed. Yeah. I I I can like like you said. I think it's fifty fifty. I could go. I think there's more receiver spots, so I think I'd I'd go Keenan Allen. Okay. I do think because you have to start running backs, more people will still play Eckler, but I think it'll be really close. But I can get on board with doing Keenan, so we'll slot Keenan Allen in there okay. as our second receiver. Um. Okay. So same thing. We have to pick a Jaguar. Um, my picks so far for Jaguars have been, um, I did pick an ETN, mm-hmm. I picked a Jacksonville defense, and then I did Riley one where Patterson. I, yeah, yeah, I did one where I didn't pick any Jags at all, but yeah, you could pick a kicker too, but Jags, I think there's, problem with the Jags is that other than ETN, they probably got four other guys that are going to be really low owned, but I'm not super confident in any of them, so what do you think on the Jags? Let me, let me go back and look up something here. Jaguars versus Chargers. So let's go back to that. Um, it was the game where Herbert just was coming off his broken ribs. Right. I just want to see um, see who did good in that game. So, James Robinson had 17 for 100 and a touchdown. Obviously, he's not on the team anymore. ETN, 13 for 45. Zay Jones, 10 for 85 and a touchdown. Kirk, 6 for 72 and a touchdown. Marvin, 4 for 33 and a touchdown. I was kind of thinking Zay Jones. And that kind of 10 for 85 and a touchdown, obviously, I don't know if he's going to do that again, but that's a little bit of a contrarian play of Zay Jones. I can get on board with it. I think we do need to – we have pretty much a chalk team thus far, so I do think we need to kind of pick a, you know – Somebody contrarian, yeah. Yeah, like something out there just to diversify a little bit. So you want to go Zay Jones? Yep, let's go Zay. Okay, so we got Zay Jones locked into a flex. All right, so we have to pick a Buffalo Bill now. Yeah, I kind of want to just shove Diggs in there, but I know that might not be the smart thing. I mean, the thing with the Bills is they're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be like 1% or less, and then you're going to have Diggs and Allen. Yeah. So it, there isn't a lot of other options, whereas there's some other teams where there are better secondary options. So I'm okay throwing Diggs in there too. I think Diggs would be the smart play, or we go Bills defense. Yeah, that, that now that is a contrarian, Bills D. But mm-hmm. Bills D could score 20 points, and you get them for potentially three games. Right. Yeah, let's do that. Be, let's go Let's go Bills D. Yeah, I love that. Actually, I didn't never even thought about that, but that's a, that's a great call because I don't think anybody's going to play Bills D. I think a lot of people will just go, I can't afford to pick a non-Josh Allen. Right. You know. Now, the only thing I will say is – we are fading Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Yeah. So our bracket should pretty much have the Bills losing in the next round. So right. think about that. Because to beat the team that has Diggs and Allen, you want them to probably only play two games, right? Right. And you need one of your games to be Bills D scores 20 points against so Miami. So we're, we're hoping we, we want Bengals Bills for round two. We want Bengals Bills round two, but and this 
this and then we is wanna, we want to probably go chase for the Bengals or Higgins or whoever. This is where the theory starts to change when you lock in Bills D because Bills D I think is a great contrarian play, mm-hmm. but once you pick Bills D. They either have to have like the greatest run of defensive games in history, or they are not going to outscore Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. They're just not. Right. So really, you're banking for this team to go as far as possible. You're banking that the Bills are probably only going to play two games, which means you probably want to be a little more overweight on a really strong play from the Chiefs and a really strong play from the Bengals. So we already have Mahomes. I, I would say this would definitely be a, a team to go with Chase on then. If you think he's the second strongest, you'd either go Kelsey and Burrow or you would go Chase and Mahomes because you're already betting on the Bills to get knocked out, right? Right, right. So you probably want to have the four best players from those two games and you want to have a combo of the both. So, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm you could good think with of, Chase. You could think about if you were doing multiple teams with this type of build, you would go Bills D and then you'd go a Chase Mahomes team and you'd go a Burrow Kelsey team. And you'd figure one of those teams, if it breaks right in the bracket, is going to be in really good shape because you you hit everything right. You know what I mean? Right, right. So we're going to go chase then, yeah? Yeah, go chase for one of the flex spots. Okay, and, so um, chase locked in in the flex. And then lock in Bills D. Yep, Bills D is locked in. So thus far yep. we have Mahomes, McCaffrey, Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, Zay Jones, Jamar Chase, we are fading Baltimore Ravens, and we are fading Miami we Dolphins. We have Goddard, not Kelsey. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dallas Goddard, my bad. Dallas Goddard. So we are fading Miami and Baltimore, so we need to pick We need Tampa and Dallas. Vikings-Giants. And, and then Vikings-Giants, yeah. So what are you thinking on uh, Tampa-Dallas in terms of who wins? Because that will be who advances to play Philadelphia almost guaranteed unless there's an upset. Well, no, no, let's, let's do this one first. Minnesota giants. Which way do you want to go in terms of who advances there? Man, that one, that one is one of the perplexing ones of the weekend. Okay. Let me ask you this. If the giants win, do they have a shot in hell to win at Philly? I would say no. Okay, so if you pick the Giants... It's just a one you, one game. Well, two games, technically. Yeah, it's two games, but essentially you're, you're putting a stronger bet in on Philadelphia. Now, we have Dallas Goddard. We're playing a contrarian eagle already. Mm. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Dallas Goddard didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Because if Goddard gets eliminated, that's eliminating all the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith teams, which we already agreed are going to be well higher played than Goddard, right? Right, 100%. So we're already kind of angled towards a, you know, Eagles not making it far with the way we've played. Uh So what's the most likely scenario where you see the Eagles getting beat early? Dallas or Tampa? To me, it would be Dallas would be the team that could get hot and give them problems. Yeah, Dallas or Tampa, yeah. So then we probably should go with a really, really strong Viking that can give us two plays. So I'm thinking Jefferson here. Yeah, I think I'm leaning Jefferson and Lamb for our two flexes. Okay, so Jefferson. And then we need a running back, and we need... And then then the running back, I'm thinking... 
Um, I'm thinking Fournette. Okay. Do you think Fournette could get a lot of volume against Dallas? Yeah, I think so. They kind of they rested him that week 18 so he could be ready to go. Um, and he has a shot to play two games at least. I think so. I think there's. Uh, I think Tampa Bay could definitely win that game. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Given how much Dallas is struggling to cover the pass right now, I'm assuming Diggs is going to be on Evans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what mean, do you think about, God, what do you think about Dalvin Crook, Chris Godwin, instead of Fournette Jefferson? Well, you would need to take out Jefferson. Um, well, the, well that, da- the, the, Dalvin, the, the, Dalvin got hurt there in that week 18. I kind of want to avoid him, to be honest. Okay, well, we need another running back then. So if we're going to go Jefferson, we need another that's running why I back. Said, right? That's why I said Fournette. And go, but, but, and go Jefferson Lamb. I I got that. Are you, But I'm saying, now that we're looking at these in a cluster, mm-hmm. would we be better off going, not going Fournette, picking the Giants to lose, and just hoping Saquon gets 25 points? I got you. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we go Saquon, and then we go Godwin in the other flex. Okay, I'm good with that. Okay. Because we got, let's see, Saquon, got Godwin. Let me just add this in here so we're tracking. So we're going Saquon Barkley at running back, Justin Jefferson, So we need one more flex. Actually, it's between C.D. Lamb and Chris Godwin. we got to pick one of the two. Because we also need a kicker and a defense. Well, we have so I'm kind of thinking... Oh, that's right. I didn't put Bill Steve. We need a kicker, and it's got to be between one of these two teams. So it's either going to be between Tampa Bay or Dallas kicker. I mean... Um... I mean, who do you prefer, Lamb or Godwin? I think they're going to be uh, similarly owned, but we're yeah. picking... Remember, we're I picking think, the Eagles to lose. Who has the best shot to beat the Eagles? To me, I think it's Dallas. Yeah, I think we'd have to go Lamb then, right? Yeah. And then and kicker that, would be Suckup. We're basically going Suckup, or we are pivoting back to one of the two kickers that we faded, either Justin Tucker, which I already said he's going to be extremely highly owned, and I assume yeah. you don't want to play Jason Sanders in Buffalo. No, I, I'm fine with Suckup. He's been he's been fine this year, and Dallas okay. is twenty ninth against kickers. So, okay. Well, there you go. That's the team. That's how we arrived at the. I mean, is there uh, anything you would change? Anything that you're kind of like uh, I don't know about? No, because I think we went through the exercise of finding the correlation of what would make sense. Could this team get completely obliterated in their first round? Yes. Yeah. But I think we have enough different picks in there with Buffalo D, Zay Jones. We faded a couple of the chalk plays. We faded Austin Eckler. Um, we faded a couple of the guys that I think everybody is going to lock in. So I think we have just enough chalk, but we also have enough difference where it's like we have Tyler Lockett. We have Dallas Goddard. We have Zay Jones. We have Buffalo D. We have Ryan Suckup. I think we have enough diversification where if it if it plays right, we have a chance to get to, you know, what we want is probably a 
likely with this roster, what we probably want is a Dallas versus San Francisco a- or NFC championship and a Cincinnati versus um, Kansas City AFC championship, right? Right. Yeah. That way we're getting one of Mahomes, McCaffrey, Lamb, or Jamar Chase. We're getting two of those guys in the Super Bowl, which are, you know, those are all four studs. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be yeah. the primary players in the Super Bowl if they get there. So really that's what we need. We need a Dallas, San Fran, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or, uh, Cincinnati Kansas City, um, AFC and NFC championship. So okay. that, that, you know what we're looking for this week. So all right. okay. I like it. I like it. I like the construction of the team. It's different. It's, uh, you know, people are just going to go in here. You, you know, people are going to fill out the lineup and it's going to go. Yeah. It's going to go McCaffrey, Eckler, Chase, Lamb, Jefferson. You know what I mean? It's just going to be yeah. stud, 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 stud. Then you're going to get in there and you go, wow. Out of this many people, you know, 3,844 people have the exact same team day one. So guess what? The most, the highest you could finish is 3,844th and you could tie. Right. Cool. I'm going to split that $100,000 3,800 ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, we do have a little bit, you know, more contrarian. I don't, I don't know how many people are going to have Zay Jones. Like you said, I don't know how many people are gonna have Buffalo D. That's I, that's the I think very little, less than one percent, because everyone's gonna pick Diggs or Allen, you know. Yeah. And Buffalo D, I mean, they could definitely have twenty twenty five points this fucking weekend. Mm-hmm. Like it's they could have a, a pick six, uh, three four sacks, two or three turnovers. You know, it could be ugly. So yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely need that. We definitely need Buffalo to not make the, the AFC championship game, but we also need their defense to be decent for the two games that they played. We need them to probably score, I'd say, 30-plus points in the two games they play and then hope Allen and Diggs don't score, you know, 70. Right. If, if Allen and Diggs score less than 50 and Buffalo D scores 30, I think we can make up the 20 points because we were so different than everybody else. And we would need Allen right. and Diggs to get eliminated. Right. That's how you win. Like, that's honestly how you win. And then Zay Jones, like, even if they lose, we need Zay Jones to probably score 20. And then we kind of hope that, you know, Arkeen and Allen gets to play multiple games and anybody that picked the the Jags, we need, we need Zay Jones to be the highest scoring Jag in a loss is pretty much what we're thinking here. So, right. Okay. We'll yeah, that. we'll update this next week when we do the show. We can kind of see what how things went for us this week because it's going to be Here, uh, easy easy to spot. Do you like Zay Jones or Evan Ingram with the tight end premium? Because we could still switch that. Yeah, yeah, I think those are the they're just occupying the same type of spot. So I'm good with either one. What what made you think about Ingram this late? Just because I didn't even mention him earlier. I mean that's an easy one for one. I don't think a lot of people yeah. will pick him. Um, but but I mean Zay had the bigger game earlier. He played them all last year when he was with the Raiders too, so he knows these like corners he's going against and everything. So maybe he has a little advantage. I don't know. And do you think that because Ingram is a tight end that he might be a little higher rostered just because some contrarian teams might throw him in at tight end? Yeah, because yeah, there. I mean, definitely. honestly, who is? Would you say he might be the third best tight end in the playoffs? I mean, Kittle, Goddard, probably Kittle, Goddard, Kelsey. But after that, I'd probably say he's the fourth. Yeah, I think if people wanted to get contrarian, I could see Dawson Knox because he's been getting hot lately. Or Hawkinson. A lot of people may go yeah, Hawkinson, Hawkinson as their tight end. And 
bank yeah. that the Vikings make a run. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right on that one. So you want to stick with Ingram, or, or you want to go with Ingram, or you want to stick with Zay? No, let's stick with Zay. I we'll just go with our first gut feeling. All right. Well, Ingram ten for a hundred and a touchdown incoming. Yeah, I could see that one coming. <laughs> Zay Jones busted ankle in the first drive. Zay Jones good out route concussion. Yeah, which means Evan Ingram will then get way more targets. Watch. Yeah, I can. That's see how it. this season's gone. But yeah. No, it's cool. You should uh, think about doing another one of these if you want. Maybe we can do one more and kind of go a little bit of a different route than what we did with this one. But still, I think you have to, if you're doing these, if you choose to do these, you can do them up till game starting tomorrow on FFPC. Uh, This one's a $35 bracket. It's going to be one of, like I said, hundreds of thousands of entries. So, you know, that you definitely have to be contrarian in this tournament because there's there's going to be chalk lineups that are going to be duplicated as soon as it starts. Three minutes after a game starts, you're going to know you have a chalk lineup that's duplicated by 2,000 other people. Right. Yeah, so, so if you're listening to this on Saturday, hopefully it's before the 4.30 games, before this tournament locks. Yeah, that's true. They won't hear this until Saturday morning. But, yeah, I mean, you get $100,000 if you win, but if you're splitting it 2,000 ways, nope. what did you win, Eric? Yeah. Five well, bucks. Yeah. I mean, if we get the hundred thousand dollars, I'll buy the strippers and the Coke. <laughs> we'll have fun. I mean, the good thing is if we, if we were to win the hundred thousand, guess what? We're probably going to be not splitting it with anybody. Maybe yeah. one person. Like that's the whole point of this is forget about what's going to be the most, the most fruitful lineup in terms of points scored. You you truly have to try to pick a team that nobody else is going to pick. So, yeah, I, I think we, we did a decent job at that. We just, need luck on our side and hopefully those guys hit yep yep so. just like winning a big you know gpp in a dfs tournament like you you, right. you gotta have the the outlier team so right good stuff good exercise yep all right we ready to do america's favorite game before we get out of here i am ready yep all right so obviously with the playoffs here starting what is your favorite playoff moment Hmm. You go I first. Have mul- I have multiple ones. So yeah, can... you you roll because I know you're excited for this one. Go ahead. Um. So my obviously my first favorite one is the Eagles finally getting over the Falcons, uh, to go to the Super Bowl in 2004. So that was a big one. Beating the Eagles finally getting over that hump after losing three straight NFC Championship games. So that one will always stick out in my mind. Obviously, um. The COVID year, the Browns just fucking destroying the Steelers. Um, that was that one will always stick out to me as as a big one for me in my life. <clears throat> just a couple other ones that always come to my mind whenever I think of the playoffs. I don't remember what year it was, um, but it was Panthers Rams. It was like a double overtime game. It was in St. Louis. I think it was Bolger versus Dell home. And Delholm hit Steve Smith on a slant and go, and Steve Smith was like a fucking rocket, just shot out of the cannon, grabbing that slant, untouched, up the middle, and ended the game. That one um, always sticks out to me as like a huge playoff moment. <clears throat> Obviously, um, I think that was 2000, 2003 or 2004. It was when the Panthers played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was it was like around there. Yeah, that was that year um, when the Patriots uh, beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl. But yeah, right. Yeah, 
that one that I always remember. I was watching that game live because it was double overtime. It was close, and man, Steve Smith just was just shot out of a cannon on that one. Um, obviously, my favorite one would be, or uh, the one that I think is the most, the greatest throw and catch ever. We I, we talked about this before. Is the uh, Roethlisberger the San Antonio Holmes play? That one always that's always etched in my mind. Obviously, the David Tyree catch, the Mario Manningham catches come to mind. Julian Edelman's catch against the Falcons. There's just so many different ones, man. Uh, Kimo Von Ollenhofen diving in the Carson Palmer's knee. That was a great one. I know you enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah. I, I can't, can't wait. I watch that replay at least 100 times a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Shit, man. There's uh, there was another one I was thinking of off the top of my oh the uh, the Bills and Titans game with the the miracle the Tennessee miracle whatever the fuck they call it uh, the Music City miracle there it is uh, yep. that one that one always comes to mind but um, yeah for like for play though it'd probably be that that Steelers Cardinals play obviously James Harrison's play on that one too but yeah I have a lot of them just naming a bunch of them off the top of my head. Yeah, for me, there's probably half a dozen that stand out. I mean, the, obviously, the Patriots come back against the Falcons was still epic. Anytime that comes yeah. on, that's one of the few replays that I'll watch because it's like you just stare at the score in the third quarter, and it's like yep. six minutes left in the third quarter, and the Falcons have the ball, and they're up 28-3, to three, and you're like, oh, my God, this game's over. Yep. And then you know that they end up losing. It's like it, that's pretty crazy just to still see that and go – I mean, if they just literally ran out the clock on every play, they probably would have won, you know, yeah. like that, that simple of, uh, of a strategy. I think the, that Cardinals Panther, the Cardinals Packers game when the, yeah, the Rogers hit game. when they had like, I don't know, it was like 18 seconds or something. And he hits Janice on like the long play over the middle. And then he throws the Hail Mary and like in two plays, they go like 90 plus yards yep. and tie it. Now they lost in overtime. So that kind of like, you know, ruins the, the the moment a little bit but just that i think that was two different games that you're talking about because i I'm, the first one was the kurt warner and rogers game that was like 51 45 or something and then the janice one i think was later on in his career. no it, it was it was 20 to 13 it was the, the the game that the packers tied it up to go to overtime yeah that, that was, was yeah that was that 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 was a different game then there was there was another game early on in rogers early career or it was Kurt Warner versus Roger. I'm pretty sure it was the year that the Cardinals maybe went to the Super Bowl. And it was like 51-45, and uh, Rodgers threw a pick six to, uh, what the hell was his name? It was a linebacker. He played for the Browns for a little bit. Um, I forget his name, but, yeah, he took it to the house. There, That was uh, another epic one. I know Kurt Warner just posted about that game on his Twitter. Uh, that's what reminded me of it. Yeah, I, it's just that two play span, the the twenty right. thirteen game that comes to mind for that one. And then, uh, I mean, as a Bengals fan, that the Chiefs game last year was really surreal. You know, being down twenty one to three, I'm like, yeah, we don't have a fucking chance. Yeah, that's another big one. Yep. And that was one where it was like, I just I couldn't believe they actually got back into the game. That that's that's the game where I finally. I finally crossed that threshold of like, you know what? If you got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you got a shot. Like, those guys are about as unflappable as it gets. So, like, any given game, as long as they're there, there's a shot. You know what I mean? It's They're not just going to wilt. And I'm so used to 
you know, the Andy Dalton teams just wilting. You know what I mean? Can't ever I'm, make a play when they need it. So honestly, going into the Bengals Steelers game, I thought Palmer and Jad Johnson were that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the Bengals had some warts on that on that team, but like that offense was so prolific at, at that time, man. They were just throwing up points. The only difference was that was a team that you know, that was playing during the same time as like when Peyton was there with the Colts mm. and they had played the Colts a couple times before, like they couldn't hang with the Colts, but to actually beat the chiefs, it's like, that's the other team. That's basically that right. way. You know what I mean? And just to beat them is like, okay, there's, there's nothing else that you could, doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but like it would have been, I mean, it would have been the equivalent. Cause remember that that year, the 25 or 2005 Bengals played the Colts in Cincinnati that year. And it was one of those games, I think the final score was like 45-34 or something like that, but the Bengals were never in the game. They were down two touchdowns the whole game. Yeah. So it was like, you already got a test that they couldn't hang with the Colts. Even in their field, they couldn't hang with the Colts. So it was just different to see the, right. you know, to see them beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. So, And it's also funny that other than the Patriots-Falcons, we haven't really mentioned any Brady stuff, but I could just go through and name about 10 Brady ones too, you know? Yeah, I think you're kind of numb to Brady stuff because there's so yeah. many of them. Yeah, like really. you, you kind of do get them mixed up. You go, which Super Bowl was that? Which yeah. which AFC Championship game was that? He was only in like eleven of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, the Tuck Rule game that was with the crazy snow. You got to remember that one. And then you know, I we haven't even talked about any Brady Manning games, like the early mm-hmm. on games where that Patriots defense just fucking beat the shit out of them. And then Manning obviously getting over the hump, and they were down um, in that one, and then they came back, and then uh, Marlon Jackson with the interception to end it there. That was a big one. Um, that Colts and Steelers game where, you know, Bettis and them got to the final, you know, the finals there, and Bettis fumbled the ball, and Roethlisberger got that, like, shoestring tackle to save him. And then Vanderjatt the best kicker in the league at the time comes in. And this is the one I always talk about. He comes in and fucking shanks it like 75 feet to the left or mm-hmm. the right or whatever it was. Um, wasn't even close. That one was a big one. Yeah. There's just, there's so many mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. There, but, if we could probably do a whole episode on this of just going yeah. back and cause a lot of times you forget cause these were, you know, some of these were t- almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And you forget them, and then you look back and you go, yeah, I remember that. I do remember that sequence, or I do remember that that set of plays, or I remember that happening. And you, you forgot yeah. about it because you've watched – I mean, we've watched so many football games in our lives. Like, a lot of them just kind of blend yeah. together. So, Yeah, I, I would say if, if I have to personally choose one, it's definitely um, the Eagles getting over the Falcons there in the, in the fourth NFC Championship game. That was probably my favorite if I had to choose just one. It wasn't Tommy Maddox versus Kelly Holcomb in the playoffs? I still watch that game. They throw that on NFL Network. It is. It actually is an entertaining game. Yeah, and man, fucking Kelly Holcomb was so good. That dude should have been MVP. Kelly Holcomb. He was. Oh, he was. What a he, name! He, what he a was, blast from the past. He was the best quarterback the Browns have had since until Baker came, and then now obviously Watson. Yeah. Honestly, I I I honestly believe that people. Do you think he say, was better than Tim Couch? Yes. Wow, Derek Anderson had one good fucking lucky ass year, but he was never as good as Kelly Holcomb. You knew it was good for the Browns, Jeff Garcia, but he was at the end of his career. Yeah, 
And they they didn't run a, a West Coast offense for him. That was the big thing is, like, Butch Davis ran his offense, and it wasn't a West Coast offense that Garcia, like, could only play. But that speaking of another memory, fucking McNabb got hurt, and Jeff Garcia was the Eagles' backup, and he led them to a NFC champion or a NFC East title, at least. Um, yeah, that was know. back when Eric was an Eagles fan. Yeah, I mean, and before Dante Stallworth ran over somebody with his car. <laughs> oh, that's another story for another day. All the teams Eric's rooted for over his over the time no, I've known no, him. No, it's it's been Eagles and Browns. I haven't really. Oh, there's been others. Yeah, there I mean, has been others. It was more more players than. No, uh, I don't know. There was a period for I think two years where you were the biggest Marlins fan ever. No, I I'm saying just NFL. Okay, I was I was thinking other sports, but I yeah, definitely yeah, remember no. Marlins Eric. Yep, I I I loved the Marlins there. I loved the, that whole team, Miguel Cabrera, Beckett. Yeah, those guys were awesome. And then some of the soccer teams you followed over the years. None. I know. <laughs> I know Absolutely it was an ingest comment, but anyway, let's end it there. Yeah, let's end it, and uh, yeah, so. At America's Game Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter as well. Make sure you guys sign up for that newsletter, allgas.beehives uh, slash subscribe. Check out all our other podcasts, Ike and Gene, Mike and Adam. You know, Scott does Destination Dynasty on Mondays as well. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, I think the, another big thing, uh, this is the best time to join the Patreon as well, the All Gas Patreon. Because Ray is doing um, film reviews of running backs and going over the all 22 tape of some of these guys. Um, he's done three of them so far Tajay Spears. Um, do you remember the other two off the top of your head? I he forget. did Izzy Abaconda and Dwayne McBride. Okay, yeah, he's done those three so far. I haven't had time to watch them yet, but I plan on to uh, soon. But Ray does awesome breakdowns on on all 22s. And it's not just running backs. It's receivers he does, too. Um, He's done some quarterbacks in the past. But mainly, lately, it's been running backs and receivers. Um, And he does some really good stuff just breaking these downs, showing you the ins and outs of these guys. And you really get to know these players. When it comes to the draft time, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember Ray talking about this guy and... Man, he got this draft capital. You know, I really like him. I'm going to start taking him in my drafts before anybody else even knows about him. Um, He's done that a lot with me. So uh, that's one of the big reasons to sign up for the Patreon. So if you have uh, a couple extra bucks, sign up for uh, the All Gas Patreon. Check out those exclusive videos that are only for the All Gas members. And uh, you'll learn a lot about football. You'll learn a lot about these prospects coming in for your rookie draft. So I definitely recommend it. And then, Scott, finish us off. Uh, what you got coming with Destination Dynasty uh, on Monday? Yeah, so it'll just be another uh, live stream, probably Sunday night. Uh, Bengals games on Sunday night, so I'll probably try to do it maybe half hour, 45 minutes prior to that. So we'll see. Try to squeeze it in there. But just assume it'll be you know in between the uh, – the Minnesota Giants game and the the Bengals Baltimore game uh, sometime in there, probably same time, probably around 7:30, 7:45, and we'll just do kind of like a Q and A. Won't go for probably an hour this week. It'll probably be again, like I said, 30 to 45 minutes, and just do follow up questions. You know, whatever people want to talk about. I do have a topic that I'll bring and and kind of talk about for 10, 15 minutes, and the rest will just be uh, a Q and A. But uh, I agree with the the film breakdowns, man. Like I was talking to Ray about. 
we're going to get, especially you and I and a lot of the people that follow our similar roster construction strategy, we already know we're going to take a lot of these running backs, right? But we need something to differentiate the fact that, you know, a lot of them are going to go in round three, round four, round five. How do you differentiate them? You can't yeah. just say draft capital and yeah. you can't just say situation because the market is going to immediately gravitate to the ones that have good situations and they're going to fade the ones that have bad situations. Or maybe the contrarian play for us is going to be, okay, we have something subjective from Ray to say, okay, I think this guy probably is pretty good if he gets opportunity. This guy probably you don't really want him at all, even if he gets opportunity. You know, it's like we need something to tie break between the fact that a lot of people are going to be on just taking any running back that's living and breathing. And a lot of people are just going to follow draft capital. So it gives you an idea of, or it gives you another way to differentiate how you're going to tier those running backs when they're so close together and they're all just, you know, bodies on a roster. So just want to give you a kudos for mentioning that because it's that's that's going to be the most right. profound thing I'm probably going to take out from it. It's it's a reason why me and Scott own so much Zonovan Knight this coming into this year. Ray did a breakdown on him. It was really good, like what we saw. And obviously we drafted a shit ton of them in the fourth round and getting him off uh, waivers in our, a lot of our leagues. That was one of the reasons was Ray did a breakdown on him, and I learned about him and saw that, hey, this guy's actually pretty good. If he gets a shot, he can do something in the league. So um, that was one of the ones I just wanted to bring up. Yep, for sure. And, uh, yeah, check out Destination Dynasty Sunday night. I'll post the time on Twitter. Uh, we'll share it from the DD feed, so you'll be able to see exactly uh, when I plan on going. But just, you know, if you're around during the, the in-between the, the two games, uh, check it out live Q and a, and then uh, you can follow me at Charles chill FFB on Twitter. Uh, I have some other stuff coming on, but I'll announce that later on Twitter. So uh, yeah, follow us. Thanks for listening. If you're this far in an hour and 45 minutes and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.